Welcome to Two Cents FC. I'm your host, Demovio Kugo, with my guy, L. Each week, we'll be discussing topics from around the soccer world, and I'll be giving my thoughts from the perspective of a pro soccer player. Can't believe it. It's episode 12. Um, this week, we'll be discussing transfers and the anatomy of a deal, MLS player development, and then we'll do another round of one of our great segments, uh, Round of Kits, um, that were recently released. I know we got two Arsenal fans on. Um, and I know they have a new announcement that they would like to get off their chest. And speaking of another guest, we got Nate Leader, soccer agent and owner of Leader Sports Management Group. Um, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm great, guys. And thank you guys for having me. I'm a big fan of your guys' podcast. Um, I have one as well with someone you've had on before, Maggie Insom, twice. Um, great, great agent, great person. Love Maggie and just happy to join you guys. Nah, thanks for yeah, taking Maggie's the time. Maggie's the homie. Yeah, Maggie's homie. She's friends of the family. So uh, to have you on is a, is, a, is, a, is a pleasure. So tell us about yourself because you do a little bit of everything in the soccer business space. Yes. So um, quickly, I ended up starting my agency because I went to school for finance and I minored in marketing, but my passion was in soccer. So I had this job. I was working in the healthcare field and Upon graduation, it's crazy how life works. I got invited by Nike's marketing team because I knew them in Miami. And they're like, hey, come out. Um, We're going to run a soccer event. There's a special guest coming. They didn't say who at the time, but it ended up being Virgil from Off-White. So um, it was Virgil and Skepta. We ended up playing a soccer event. And then um, Virgil invited me that night out. He's like, yo, come out with me. I'm DJing something. And I was like, yo, I know he's a designer. I'm not sure he's a DJ. Like, this is weird. <laughs> yeah. And um, he ends up, so we're there. We're partying with some, like, some of the top artists there. Two chains there, Drake's there, Scott Disney. Like, there's just a bunch of people. And I'm sitting in here, and I'm dumbfounded. And I'm like, man, this is the life I want to live. So um, at the end of it, I ended up talking to Virgil. And he's like, yo, listen, um, I'm going to advise you one thing. Always do what you want to do. He's like, my passion is actually being a DJ. But like, I'm also known as a designer, so I do that too. But like, I always want to continue DJing. And at that time, my healthcare company, I just finished college. So I was at the point where the healthcare company, they really liked me and they offered me a full-time position. And I was like, yo, I've always wanted to be an agent. There aren't many black agents out there that do like, and there aren't many good agents out there, period. So let me combine everything that my knowledge and my education with actually representing players. And that conversation that he had, I was like on the fence of like, I was like, oh, I could play it safe and I could do healthcare. Like I'm gonna make a lot of money. You know how the healthcare system is in America. And I was like, but it's not my passion. Representing players and being around the game and like scouting for a club, like that was my passion. So I was like, you know what, forget it. So I ended up the next day, like that was a Saturday, we went out. The Monday I went in, I turned in my two weeks. I was like, hey guys, like I have to turn down this opportunity. Like I'm gonna start building my own sports agency. So. I ended up coming to Toronto because I was in Miami at the time and Inter-Miami um, didn't exist at that moment. And Toronto has a bunch of talent like from the soccer space. So I was like, you know, what? why not return to my hometown of Toronto? I returned there. I ended up signing a couple of academy players and then got them trials. We went to FC20 in Denmark. We went to, uh, I'm sorry, in um, Netherlands. Then we went to, some other kids went got contracts with, um, I'm not sure if you've heard of FC Helsinki in Denmark, mm -hmm. some signed there. Then um, 
some went to CPL, MLS. There's been some other work that I've done with um, just being an intermediary and brokering deals for players. I'll touch on that later. But um, yeah, so I ended up doing that. I loved it. I ended up scouting um, for some professional clubs like FC Porto's asked me to scout um, for them on this side, doing some other things and some other clubs. So it's just been a journey and just being able to represent players like as an agent, it's so much fun because one, I get to one, be a part of the game and like help build their careers. So um, it's just, honestly, it's a blessing just watching and helping kids build their career paths. Like my, my favorite thing is helping kids get their first contract because that is just, you get to see all their hard work pay off as an agent and how happy they are. And also, like, when they start making money and, like, lucrative deals, that's it's just fun to be a part oh, of. Respect. So break it down because, so, you party with Virgil and all these celebrities, and then you move back to Toronto, then you become an agent. Like, talk about how it was, like, getting your, your, your first client. You know, obviously, you had a background in sports, but how did that all work? So I ended up getting my first client because I played for a very – like I played for a very long time. So once people found out that I was an agent, a lot of players, so I'm only 20, I was 23 when I started my agency. Okay. So a lot of players are around my age or a couple years younger I knew of. So my first client ended up being a player. His name was Isma Longo. And he was, he wasn't playing anywhere at the time. He played in Venezuela. He played with the under twenties of Venezuela. And I was working with him. He had, um, a couple of CPL contracts, and then he ended up playing with um, NISL, the new league with um, um, Stumptown United. That ended up folding. But then um, the top academy players I ended up working with, I worked with three, um, Stefan Yates from Toronto FC, Kunle Dadaluk, who's who was at um, Atletico Ottawa, and Zach Abdi, who was Toronto FC's top goal scorer in their academy. And I just got referrals from other coaches who knew me at that mm -hmm. time. That's how that worked. So, and then after that, I started branching out and I ended up going on scouting trips to Senegal and Gambia. And then some of those clubs there, they had players that were actually playing in Europe who reached out to me as well. And I'm working with a few now. And I'll talk about um, one of the transfers that I'm going through right now later on but yeah it was just coach referrals then you know how players are once players here like oh my god you have this young black agent um yeah. who is he like who who is this guy because i'm brand new to the um the agency business but once you start doing well for players you just get a whole bunch of referrals from like three or four of their teammates will then reach out and then that's just a domino effect and domino effect and then um yeah that's just really how i've built it my agency out no, that's what it's all about. You know, when an agent does good work, that's when they usually, you know, start growing. Um, can you talk about that, though? Because, you know, there's a lot of people that want to be agents, but it's I don't want to say it's frowned upon, but it's hard to break in. It's hard to get through. So what advice would you have for especially a young, you know, black uh, individual that wants to get into the sports business side from an agency standpoint? Yeah, I that's a very good question. I would I would tell you guys that one every single young agent who started with me there's none of them have stayed in the business there's been multiple things that i've experienced myself because being a young black person in general going to speak to mls clubs or any club in general and sitting with their like 
CEOs and their technical directors, they always look at you and they're always like, they don't want to take you as seriously as they should. So me, for instance, one of the first things I did, guys, I grew a beard. I was like, all right, I got to grow a beard. <laughs> you got to look a little older because people are looking at me and they're like, yo, who is this baby? But then when they realize how smart you are and how intellectual you are and you understand the game and you have your player's best interest and you're a good person in general, clubs are going to work with you. I would say there's no guideline to how to be an agent. So when I started out, there's a lot of things that I did that I will not do now like in regards to the way I would talk to clubs or the way I would negotiate deals. Um, you always have to like stand your ground, be firm and always have your client's best interest and know when to say yes and know when to say no. And that's the hard thing when you're trying to become an agent is if your player wants to make a move somewhere and in your gut, you don't feel like it's right, but you don't want to disappoint your player. You should definitely go with your gut and tell them, hey, always advise them, hey, I don't think this is the best move for you, but if you want to do it, I work for you. Like you have to always let your players you work for know that you work for them, and also um, don't give up. Like if one player turns you down because maybe you're an, you're not a known agency, because um, mm -hmm. that happens a lot. You'd see a lot of um, players signing with big agencies, but not necessarily being taken care of like a boutique one would. So know your strengths and weaknesses and focus on that. Like if you know, like hey, I have a good um, network in a few clubs work with those few clubs because those coaches will tell you which players you should approach which players you shouldn't approach maybe they will tell you hey we're gonna sign this player so maybe you should start talking to him or if you have better connections with brands or marketing use that to leverage your way to clients because being a footballer is what football players do best they don't need your help on the field you don't need help with with that but if you know I have connections at Adidas or I have a strong connection at Nike, then leverage those connections to bring it to the player and be like, Hey, listen, my friend works at Adidas. He does all of the, all of the contracts for players and boot deals. I can get you one literally right now where other clients may not have that. Or you can tell them, listen, I'm a small boutique agency, but I'm fully invested in you because I don't have a huge roster. So whenever you need me, I can be there for everything. Um, that's where a lot of players get lost because they want to sign with like the clout, but it's like you can have someone who's a small agency that will do the best things for you always. But um, just definitely put your head down, stick to the agency business. It's very hard. Like the hardest thing I've done in my life, but most rewarding, that's definitely, but don't give up on your dream. If it's your dream, stick with it. No, uh, thank you for sharing that. You know, and for players, it's really important to choose which agent is best serves your need. I think the biggest thing that you said is that the agent is for the best interest of the client. So while it may be um, wrong what the player wants, like the agent's supposed to advise you not to do that. But at the end of the day, they're supposed to do what you do. And, exactly. you know, the, the difference between a large agency versus a boutique agency versus no agent, there's um, pros and cons to each one. And I, I like how you broke it down because... You know, I've, I've been someone that's, you know, been with the large agent, been with the boutique agent, been with no agent. So I understand those differences and it, it's important that you point them out and players understand, you know, what they're going to get out of that. Exactly. And you mentioned uh, being a scout. So how does that work? You know, like being a scout for a club, you know, looking overseas, whether you have like a certain market, whether it's the Toronto okay. market, North American market, how does it all work? So being a scout is... It's so fun to me because you get to watch so many players. So 
for if you're scouting, I'll break it down three ways. So, cause I've done all three. So independent scouting is just scouting for maybe a game or an event. So I've been asked to scout for the under 17, under 20 CONCACAF tournaments for clubs in Europe, because they don't necessarily want to send scouts all the way over here. Mm-hmm. But they were like, okay, well, we have a relationship with you. We know you have a good eye for talent. So we're looking for this specific position. Can you go watch these specific players? And then you could do that pro bono, which means you don't necessarily sign off with that club to be their exclusive scout because that can also hurt your bag because it's like, well, if I'm just doing it for you guys, then yeah. I have to wait for you guys to say yes or no because obviously clubs are protecting themselves. So they put in contracts well. You have we have the first rights to every players that every player that you scout. So you may find a player and know that as an agent, okay, well, this club needs this player more than this player, more than this club, but you have to go to the club you signed with first, then it just becomes a like mess. But um you can do it that way. Like that's more security though, because they cut you a check per month. They're like, okay, okay. well, we have you on the this is we're gonna pay you as a scout this is how much you're gonna make we're gonna cover your travel your expenses your food all of that and just help bring us players plus you get a a bonus if they end up signing the players that you scout which is really cool if you're young and you want to get into the agency business scouting can be one way to do it because you already have the connection at the club at that point and then you can also say well hey like instead of just being a scout i could branch off and be an agent and then sign these players to my agency and then just work with clubs independently. So you're not tied down to one club or one league specific. Um, If you want to do it independently, which is what I do, I never sign players that I've never seen like play at least once with my eyes Mm -hmm. because the cameras and games films, like it's cool, but there's a lot of mannerisms you can't pick up. That's perfect. Let's break this down. Let's break this down. Yeah. I'll, I'll break this down. Because I like this. I like this a lot because people see the eye test versus the analytics. So yeah. when you look at a player, what are you looking for? What qualities like stand out off so the jump? What I look for, I like to go watch warmups. And I literally, if I'm interested in the player, I watch every single thing that this player does. Like I watch what shin guard they put on first, what they drink, like how they act, how they interact with their teammates, how they interact with coaches how they interact when they lose the ball, like what's their response? How do they communicate with their teammates? Are they a leader on the field or are they just a talented player? Like there's just so many things that run through my brain when I'm watching that I can't pick up on the TV because we all know when you're watching like soccer on TV, you know who's a talented player. Like you can look on TV and see, okay, this guy's talented, but it's the other, it's the small things like, okay, how does he communicate with his teammates when he doesn't have the ball? What does his positioning sense look like? Because I end up, I work with a lot of younger players as well. So I'm not necessarily looking towards them being superstar players. I look for the most talented and I look at them and I'm like, okay, well, he has the physical ability to play at a pro level now. Um, this guy has a, a really high soccer IQ. So depending on the age groups, if I'm working with younger players, I look more towards their soccer IQ and the way they react to certain things and just if they're a good person then the older they get it definitely becomes more cutthroat like are you good are you, are you a good player or not <laughs> are you, like like when you're like between 15 16 17 18 19 those are the ages where it's like you like you're gonna make a couple mistakes on the pitch that's fine 
how do you react to your teammates? Are you coachable or not? Because I've had clubs call me as an agent. I've had a club call me and tell me, hey, listen to me. All your player does is eat Cocoa Puffs for breakfast every single day. Like, I'm sick of it. So it's like little things like that for nutrition. Like There's just a lot of things as an agent you have to take care of. And I have to see with the eye. And like, like why scouts cool? All these scouting networks are cool. Like, but I need to see how the player reacts like to everything. And I cannot, I don't feel comfortable taking a player on if I don't see them in person once. That's just how I am. Like, I know a lot of agencies don't. And I also, my first interaction with a player, I want them to know, like, I actually pay attention and I know who you are. So I would say something about, like, if I'm approaching a player, I'll say, hey, like, say you're a right back. Hey, I think you're a great right back. Like, going forward, going forward, maybe your crosses are a little off, but I think 1v1 defending, you're very good at. Like, I think you're a very good 1v1 defender. And in this game that I saw you in, at this moment, I really liked how you played this way. Because when players when players receive those emails, they're like, okay, well, yeah, he actually knows what he's talking about. And he actually saw me play and he's actually taking interest. As opposed to, hey, I want to sign you to my agency. Nah, that's really important that you talked about that. Like, it's all about the tangibles, you know. I've, I've, I've heard of scouts like literally leave before the game starts because they just saw something in warmups and they were like, yeah, he's not going to fit within the, within, the, within the squad. And like, <laughs> I have my own stories. I mean, I had an agent come, or not an agent, but a scout from a Spanish club come to one of my games um, and he left at halftime. And it was like, I remember he gave like the report back to my agent and it was like, yeah, great player, but the way we play, the way he plays, it wouldn't be a fit. It wouldn't fit, yeah. And I was like, what does that even mean? Like, <laughs> I need like a full detail. Like, <laughs> I was like, I was like, what does he mean? Doesn't fit. Like, you said I'm good, but I'm not. So it was just like things like that. There's a lot of detail that goes into um, scouting. So I, it's really important that you pointed that out um, for the players that are listening. Um, there's more to it than just like how many goals and assists you get in the game. Yeah, let's just that's even an interesting point to bring up because. I have a story about that myself. Um, when I was playing, I played with the under seven, under 15 U.S. national team. And I remember that um, one scouting trip they came on to see one of my teammates play, very talented player. He, um, the ref made a bad call. And he just was in disgust. He just spit. Like, not, not at the ref. Like, oh, yeah. He just, just around and he's just like, and spit. And then um, when I was at hey, the who was the player? Uh, his name was Jordan Duru. I'm kind of shy. Wait, what age group are you? I'm a 95. Oh, dang. Yeah, you you young in the game. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> literally, I'm a, yeah, I'm a 95. I was playing for okay. Concord at the time. And then he just spit. And then the coach, so when I was at the camp, the coach told me, he's like, man, like, we love this player. Like, he's so talented. But, like, we just can't deal with players like that. Yeah. And then when they're back in your head, you're like, that's not that serious. Like, players are like, man, that's not that serious. Like, come on. But it's like the whole person like scouting is crazy. And just like you said, I get reports that are very specific. Like um, if I go through my phone right now, one report I just got, they're like, okay, I need a tall number nine, athletic, physical build, at least 180 um, centimeters. Like just crazy reports that are very yeah. specific where it's like, if he's 179 centimeters, we're not taking him because you did not follow our request <laughs> to the T. Like, the football nah, world that's is facts. crazy. That's facts. I went to I went to Germany one time and they were like, yo, they were like actually surprised because they wanted someone like uh Conte. 
And I was like, well, there's only one Conte. Let's get that straight first and foremost. But they're like, no, someone that just comes in, breaks in place. So then I got there on trial and I'm like playing, like passing out the back. And they're like, wow, we were surprised. Like he looked like he can play a little bit, but we want someone that's just going to be here and like break people up. And I was like, all right, this, this is, you know, I mean, I could do that, but I could actually play a little bit too. So like when you talk about specifics, it's like specific. No, it is. Because even um this summer, I got a request from a Premier League club. They're like, listen. We're willing to pay $40 million if you could bring us this specific type of Conte-esque player. Like, I got that yeah. exact request. They're like, we want, um, uh, doesn't matter where they're from, we want a player who plays exactly like Conte, maybe <laughs> in the French League, maybe in Senegal, maybe in Africa, somewhere, maybe in a smaller German division, but we're willing to pay $40 million if you could find us a player like that. Like, very specific. Just, it's yeah. very specific. No, that's really important. So um, with that being said, um, how do you handle it? You know, be, be, being a scout and an agent, you know, you know, doing the intimacy stuff, you know, doing the brand marketing. How do you handle, how do you manage it all? Um, I don't sleep. <laughs> like, like, it's so funny. Um, when I, when I talk to everyone, it's not like, a, it's not a nine to five job. Being an agent is not a nine to five job at all. It's it's twenty four seven. I remember last year when I had players on trial in Denmark, I had a family reunion like that was planned for years. But obviously, I'm not gonna be like, okay, well, guys, like you can't call me, you can't contact me. But yeah. I was on like an eight hour different time schedule than my players, and so I was like, okay, guys, make sure you guys get to the airport, fly off. I'm like speaking to the club at like three in the morning, making sure, hey, like they're about to go play talking to their sporting directors five, six in the morning, making sure their trials are going through, negotiating their contract while they're there, while I'm on vacation, while I'm trying to find Wi-Fi. Like, in, life as an agent is just nonstop 24-7, and you can't, um, you can't ever, like, take a vacation. You can't take any breaks. It's just always 100% of the time, go, 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 go. Like, you yeah. can never stop. You have to stay organized as well. Um, that's one thing I always am. I'm always organized to a T. I have so many tabs on my computer open. I have so many, like my phone goes off all the time. I have two phones, one for work, one for just personal. Oh, use that. Yeah. I don't even use them. Honestly, my personal phone, I rarely even use. I rarely even use it. Like, okay. It's, it's a hundred miles per hour, nonstop. Uh I know we're going to get into like the anatomy of a deal, but do you have any crazy like transfer window stories where, you know, you're dealing with the deadline between two players and like, you, you know, you got two phones, your computer up, you got to try to figure out everything. Like, do you have any crazy stories around that? I can tell you. Okay. I'll tell you one story that I'm going through this summer because um, I ended up working with a player. I'm still working with him actually, but yeah, I'm working with this guy right now. Uh, I haven't signed, we haven't signed officially yet, so I'm not going to discuss his name, but I got an offer from him from this, this Turkish club, right? Mm -hmm. Turkish club, they're willing to pay a substantial amount of money, like um, in the park, like just under a hundred thousand dollars a month for mm -hmm. this player. So he's playing in a league right now. He's not happy. And then he wants to move forward, like to a bigger league in Europe. So we're talking, and this is where it goes to me advising him. I'm like, hey, this club's really interested in you. I think maybe you should take the deal because it's four times the amount of money you're making right now. Four times the amount of money you're making right now. Players adamant. Because with COVID, 
COVID happened, so it pushed everyone's season back. So he just started playing again. So we already spoke to his parent club, and he was like, no, like, I already told them I'm not signing a new deal. Uh, they're a Europa League club, too. They're a Europa League club. He's like, no, I'm not signing a new deal. I want to get out of this country. I want to move to a bigger one. Okay. So I was like, okay, well, I mean, Turkey is a bigger country. He's like, nah, I don't want to play there, though. Um, I'm going to wait. Like, he's like, I'm going to wait it out. I'm just going to continue playing. I was like, okay, I understand. Like, let's wait. Like, there's no rush. Like, still going to play. So the club calls me again, and the owner's like, hey, listen, like, we really want to sign him. We really want to sign him. And this is where the media gets involved because fans started making, like, welcome to our club video. Yeah, especially, player, especially like, with Turkish clubs. They have a way of doing that. <laughs> they always they always come up with a, oh, um, this deal is signed already. He's coming yeah. to our club. Welcome to our club. And you on the other side, because when I'm, I'm an Arsenal fan, so there's a thousand of those rumors coming out a day. Like, oh my God, this player signed, this player signed. But as an agent, you're looking at these rumors and you're like, the club, we just had one phone conversation. How did you uh, sign already? Like, it, it didn't, I didn't even see the paper yet. So the videos are coming out and the player's getting anxious now. He's like, oh, like, yeah, maybe it is a good deal. Like, it's a pretty big club. Like, hey, maybe I should do this. I should do this. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like, okay, well, if you want to. He's like, no, I'm adamant. Like, forget it. I'm not going there. I'm going to try my luck. I'm going to move to another league. Like, I want a top five in Europe. So um, top five leagues for people who aren't listening, Portugal, Italy, Spain, Germany, France, and, of course, England. So um, he's like, okay, let's wait it out. The next, um, the next offer comes in. They're like, okay, we'll give him um, – like now it's really close to hundred thousand, like $98,000 after tax a month. And I'm like, man, this is now five times the amount of money you're making. Um, and uh, me as an agent, hey, if he doesn't want the deal, give it to me. <laughs> and I'm like, listen, as an agent, my, my, um, my thoughts on players playing is if you're not, if you're not a player, like, Kylian Mbappe, Neymar, Messi. Like, if you're not going for a Ballon d'Or, collect as much bread as possible. Like, because the, your career is so short, you don't know. Because this player is not a well-known player where even if I say his name, people are going to be like, they're probably going to be shocked to hear the figures that clubs are offering. Like, honestly, yeah. <laughs> don't be shocked to hear the, the um, offers. So it's like, if you're, like, not mid-level player, but if you're a less-known player, you need to collect as much money as possible because your career is short and what are you going to do after it? That's so um, my advice was, hey, like, I know you want to go to a top five club in Germany like or top five club in Europe. They're not going to pay the, you this turkey money. I know that. They're not going to. You'll take less, but that's what you want to do for your career. Do it. Fast forward, plays next week, and then he ends up tearing his ACL. So right now we're in the process. Oh. So hurt, you can imagine what happened right after that happened. Um, right after he turns down signing with this club. Um, well, not even, we are stalling, actually. We didn't even turn it down yet. We are just stalling because we're like, I'm going back with the club. Oh, we just want to weigh all of our options. He's a free agent. So what are the bonuses looking like? Like, what's the song? Like, we're just working on, like, stretching it out. Like, I would purposely, like, as an agent, if I know a player is waiting, I'd purposely respond a couple of days later. So to bridge the gap of like constant communication, because then deals have to be signed. Like, okay, we, we cross this yeah. off, cross this off, cross this off, cross this off. So what are you guys going to do? Ends up tearing his ACL. And now it's like, 
the player's panicking because he decided. You got no leverage now. Yeah, you. There's no leverage, and now you're a free agent, and your contract's up with your current club. So that's just the life of an agent. Because honestly, guy, I told him if it was me, I. I mean, I'm gonna tell you guys what I told. I'll tell you like I told him, bro. This is five times the amount of money you're gonna make. You're not gonna make it anywhere else. It's a higher league, or the country's a higher league that you're playing in right now. Collect your money, and then you can always make that jump afterwards. Like we could work on a transfer afterwards. But me as an agent, I always like to have players have no less than um, 18 months on a contract because at least it's guaranteed money. When you start yeah. getting like real close to like, un- depending on the leverage the player has, if you start getting real close to that deadline, then it's like, okay, well, we have six months left, eight months left. We got to start like finding you a new move, negotiating deal. And I'd rather push a transfer through than you being a free agent and then ending up in this situation. Exactly. Uh, my lesson would be, yo, strike while the iron is hot. You can always make moves after. What you got, El? Oh, yeah, that's a perfect, that's actually a perfect segue um, into this anatomy of a deal topic that I wanted, wanted to cover. Um, so we know that a transfer can make or break, you know, a team's season. It could be, it could be, it could mean Champions League or it could mean mid-table or relegation. Um, so Nate, can you break down like what the anatomy of a transfer is from like engagement all the way to like pin the paper? Like okay. what are the steps and like how does that typically go? So depending on the player's level. So if we have a top player who's linked with a big club, most of the time as an agent, your phone will start ringing. Like clubs will be like, okay, well, we saw your player play, hey, or like, it's just like, um, the best way to describe it is when you post a fire photo on Instagram and then all your and then all your exes come back and they're like, hey, like, hey, how are you? Like, oh my God, I saw that. Like, you know what's, what up, I mean? what's up, big head? It's like, I just spoke to you guys about the same player a couple months ago and you guys weren't interested, but now you guys are clearly interested. So they'll reach out to you. You always bring, I know some agents don't, but I bring every deal to a player. Like, even if it's like a third division club that they're already higher than, I'm just like, hey, like this club reached out to me just to let you know, like, are you interested? And then it's up to the player, yes or no. If the player says, yeah, they're interested in it, then we start talking to the club where they start making an offer. They're like, hey, um, they'll get permission from his club. He'll be like, hey, can we talk to your agent? Or da 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 da. The club will. Most of the clubs are in the business of making money, so they're going to say yes. You have our approval to speak to them. You speak to them. Then um, you can agree personal terms, which is plain and simple. Like For the most part, the personal terms are fairly simple. What it what ends up being like the hard part is like bonuses. Bonuses and what things actually mean in contracts because you can get, um, you can get game bonuses. But what does that even mean? Because... You can have a player, like, does that mean he has to play 90 minutes? Does it mean if he gets subbed on at any point? Does it mean he has to play 30 minutes? Does he have to play half of the game? Like, those things end up, like, taking a while. But um, then after that, you agree the personal terms. Then it's up to the club and, well, the buying club and selling club to figure out a transfer fee. Usually, I'll tell you guys, transfer market fees are not the fees that clubs are willing to actually pay. Um, If you guys, like, for fans or people who are looking at transfer market to see what is the real market value of a player 
Um, if you look at their transfer history, you go down there, you'll say, okay, well, when this transfer, the club paid $2 million for him, right? So if a club played $2 million, they may be happy with getting like 3 or $4 million from because they still made a profit off that player. So, and his market value may be 20, 30, 40, or 15 million, but clubs are usually happy with something around that ballpark. MLS is um, different because we know how that works with the transfers. And like, if MLS clubs are looking for players right now, usually it's free agents or they're looking to um, get like a bargain deal. Mostly clubs in Europe are just willing to like, yo, we need this player, we're going to pay for it and not stretch it out as much. After that happens, um, the player decides, okay, well, we're going to sign off. The personal terms are agreed. If the clubs do agree to for the player to move on, then he does. If he decide, if they, they can't agree to a fee, then it doesn't happen. But if that doesn't happen, then there are a lot of like ramifications that happen with the player because then the media gets involved and it becomes a, oh, this player's unhappy, he wants to leave, his teammates gets involved, his coaches. Um, everyone's emotional like with anything in life. So when people feel like you're trying to leave and the deal doesn't happen, the way your teammates and the way the club treats you is a lot different afterwards. So if that, in cases like that, I would advise if that deal doesn't work, let's try to move on or like decide that we're just going to keep it quiet and you just have to play at least another year and just let that go. <laughs> no, that's true. Cool. So um, to that point, you mentioned personal terms. Like there's been, there's always like a rumor of players linked here, players players linked there. Um, you kind of went into a little bit about like what's really going on in the background. Um, so I had a couple of examples. So us being both Arsenal fans, you know, we're linked with Leo defender Gabriel, right? Yes. Um, and so uh, we're in a kind of a battle with Napoli. So we've, so both clubs have agreed terms um, with Leo to to push it through um maybe you can like give us a breakdown on that but I'll, I'll, I'll keep going um and so now the ball is in is in uh gabrielle's park right and yeah. napoli actually asked him well it was rumored that they asked him um to wait a few more days to see if they can move koulibaly to silly to city um and then they'll push the button on him um so have you ever been in a situation like that or like is that common like tell, tell us about what's kind of going on there so me as an agent, um, what's what's going on from an agent's perspective is, say, uh, in this case, Koulibaly and Gabriel play the same position. So as an agent, I always look at clubs and see how many players they have on their roster in my player's position and what level are they at. Koulibaly is known as one of the best center backs in the world, and he's been linked with moves away as well. So what the club is trying to do on the personal term side is, if we get rid of his wages, we can offer Gabriel more wages than maybe Arsenal is. So what they're saying is, okay, if you wait a couple of days before you decide your deal, maybe we can bump your $60,000 a week to maybe $120,000 a week, or we could give you Koulibaly's salary, whatever he was on, as opposed to what Arsenal's offering, because Arsenal are in the lead right now. Also, you can look at it and say, well, hey, Koulibaly leaves, we definitely need a starting center back and you're going to fit that role. Arsenal, as we... Not that I agree with these transfers, but Arsenal have re-signed David Luiz. They did sign Mari. 
and they did sign Cedric Solar. So you're looking at that. And we also have to know William Salaba is coming back. So that's three center backs, a right back who they have signed recently. So you're looking at that as an agent and you're like, okay, well, there's much stronger competition. They haven't gotten rid of any center backs where you're looking like, okay, well, hmm, will my player play? Is he going to have to fight for a spot? Like, I don't mind him fighting, but is he going, like, is it an uphill battle where he has to, like, fight in the trenches? Or is it one of the battles where, like, it's normal, like, you have to fight for your starting spot and it's actually attainable? Or is it one where it's, like, you have seasoned players who have been there for years in this position, so it's like, okay, well, yeah, we're going to offer you. Yeah, are you going to get a fair share? Are you going to play? Because if you're not going to play, then there's no point of you signing to these clubs. Like, from my perspective. Like, unless, exactly. Unless Unless the money's too good. Because if the money's too, it also depends on where you are in your career. Like, if you're a young player, like, he's young. He's 20, he's in, I think, no, he's 22. Exactly, he's 22. So he has a lot of football to play. So at that time, I'm like, get your minutes. Now, if you're 28, 29, 30, I'm like, hey, collect your coin. Honestly, at that point, collect all the bread possible because you have one or two good contracts left before it's just, you're just playing for fun. So at his, at his level, I would say, hey, man, go do both. Collect your coin and make sure you play. Me as an Arsenal fan, I'm like, Arsenal, hey, put the deal over the line because the center backs that we have, I don't think are the ones that we need. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we're planning on moving a, a bunch of guys, too. They're yeah. Like, we have, like, a lot of, like, defenders, a lot dead of center weight. backs. We have a lot of dead weight. Yeah. <laughs> like, so, so, there's, so there's a rumor that he's flying to London now for his medical how how done is this deal or can it can it still be hijacked if, he, if he's going to take his medical how done is this deal so there have been there's been a history of that happening where players do their medicals and then for some reason another club comes in and swoops them um i know that happened with uh Rubinho. if you guys remember back in the day when Rubinho signed with manchester city he thought he was at chelsea like and he said um, to the reporters, he's like, yeah, man, I'm so happy to be at Chelsea. They're like, wait, no, you're at Manchester City. And he's like, oh, shoot. Like, So there have been medicals that have happened where they don't, like, a club swipes in and they're like, oh, hold on, wait a minute. As long as you don't sign any, any moment between you not signing, you're... It just like, happened it's with David Silva. It's, it's frowned it upon. With it David is, Silva. It is, exactly. It is frowned upon. Yeah, that happened, that, that happened this summer. Uh, it is frowned upon where you're like, okay, well, we already did all of this. Um, you might as well sign. We're, it's the assumption you're going to sign. You flew here. You did the medical. Why have you not signed? Um, but it's like, hey, I have to take care of my client's best interest and the player's best interest. And if they're offering me more money and the starting spot, like guaranteed in the contract, because there are some contracts where you have, as an agent, if you could leverage it, which I've seen some contracts where it's like, if my player's fit to play, he has to be in the starting eleven. MLS clubs are known for that. MLS clubs are known for if I am fit to play, I need to be in the starting 11. No, known for that. There's a lot of clubs, especially over here on this side, where that is a clause in players' contracts. So that's crazy. If you're going to give me my money and you're going to oh, give me my money, I'm going to do it. That's y'all talking. I did not say anything. Just wanted to put that out there. <laughs> 
Yeah, we don't, we don't want you to get in trouble. But that's a perfect segue. Um, speaking of MLS, um, we know that over the past couple of years, there's been like a huge influx of South American players into the league. Um, you know, we got Miggy, Diego Rossi, P.T. Martinez, Ezekiel Barco. Jose tons Alperon. of, tons of, yeah, exactly. yep. so, ton, ton, tons of young talent coming in. Um, even with like some of the new DP rules, like teams are starting to scout, scout younger and younger and get them in on, on, on like young DP rules. Um, and Nate is kind of taking some issues to this um, because it seems some of the the Latin talent here in America who are born here are getting overlooked. So I'll, I'll read his tweet, the, the tweet that kind of set this whole topic off. Um, he said, MLS clubs could easily find the Latin talent within the country instead of always finding the Peruvian or Venezuelan 35-year-old for one of the Latin leagues. But for some reason, they never do. So tell us what you're seeing. And, you know, since you have eyes and ears on the ground, um, like why why are these why are these players being overlooked? So I I'm gonna say there's a couple of things that it's not just Latin American players being overlooked. There are black players being overlooked. There are a million players being overlooked in our country all the time, and I feel that this way, and I'm very strong about this. Like this is my opinion. There, let's say for instance, we look at Europe. Europe is a very competitive league, very very competitive league. You have Borussia Dortmund, one of the top clubs in the world, always finishing second or third in the Bundesliga. And they have and they can find time to play their 17, 18-year-olds consistently, on a consistent basis. MLS, you have half of the teams qualify for playoffs. Half of them. So why aren't we developing or giving these players more playing time, the younger ones, to develop? There's I have a I have a couple of theories about this. I think that one I'll sure? actually I'll tell you guys a story. I'll tell you guys a story. I will tell you guys a story. So, um, I worked I worked um, with this agent in Belgium, uh, one of the first guys in Europe I connected with. We we're watching the Under 17 World Cup. He calls me afterwards. He goes, "Hey, uh, I'll, I'll I'll tell the kid's name. Uh, um, actually, no, let me not. Let me not tell the player's name. But he calls me and he's like, "Hey, man, this player." is a top, top player we're interested in bringing. Actually, no, I'll tell you who the player is. John Luca Busso. We'll give him. John Luca, okay. Get a call. Hey, we really like this kid, John Luca. Can you get in contact with him or his agent? And let's try to bring him over. Let's try to bring him over to Europe, okay? So they called me. Um, they're like, yeah. And we also see he's in the first team with his MLS squad. This was last year, last year. So um, recently... Um, they call me again this um, after the MLS is back to him, and they're like, "Yo, hey, what? Um, we've been following up on this kid, but why hasn't he been playing? Like, what happened? Like, what happened with his development?" And it's not just John Luca, and it, there's plenty of players like this. But it's like when you look at American players and we look at our youth national teams, we have so many top players from everywhere, and then when they become like 20, 21, they disappear. Or if we even look at it at a younger level, I've had academies in Europe call me and they've said, yo, FC Dallas is one of the best academies in the world. FC Dallas is one of the best academies in the world. They're like, yeah, they can play with the Real Madrid academies and the Barcelona academies and the Porto academies. But they're like, something happens in youth development once players turn like 15, 16, where they just stay at this level and the players in Europe progress to like astronomical levels. And... I think one, it's because 
the American model isn't a transfer model. Like you've seen with, there were even some trades this week in the MLS where players are being traded instead of bought. So if you're not making money on your players, then you don't necessarily care to develop them. Why, like, and also the way MLS clubs split expansion fees, most of the revenue that clubs get is from other clubs coming in. Like $250 million expansion fees that split between all the clubs. So when you're looking at that, you're like, okay, well, clubs are getting expansion fee money. They're not really making money on the transfers that they make out. out. So me basically spending that money on the 35-year-old versus me developing a 16, 17-year-old, it doesn't really change because I'm not going to sell the 35-year-old and I'm not going to sell the 17, 16-year-old either. What I think is going to happen is once MLS reaches their cap with the amount of teams that they allow to enter the MLS, they're going to have to figure out a new revenue stream, which is definitely going to be, we're going to have to enter the transfer market. Once that happens, that's when I think we're going to see a lot of the younger players getting their shots and a young and a lot of younger players developing. But there's just a lot going on in North America, like the play to the pay to play model um, that's going on. And even the MLS, um, the new MLS league, MLS clubs are charging other clubs to enter the league. So, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. They're inviting them. No. Yeah, you're invited, but you have to pay. You have to pay the fee. So there's a lot. Of, there's a lot going on behind the scenes of U.S. soccer, where it's like there's just a lot, a lot that needs to be done for the top talent to be seen and displayed. Because I've had it as an agent where there's top players, top, top players that aren't playing in these designated leagues that don't end up making it because one. One, they just don't know. Two, their parents can't afford it. Or three, the clubs are so, like, they're in the suburbs away from the city. So, you, so you're missing the metropolitan areas of every single city or state where it's like, that's where most of our population is. Why don't we have top clubs here? It doesn't make sense. Or why are we charging players $4,000, $5,000 a month, a year to play soccer? When you add that up, that's over like twenty, thirty thousand dollars parents are investing in their player's career. It doesn't make sense for the most of the players when you look at other countries and look where all the other players came from. Look at Brazil. If you hear every story about every top Brazilian footballer who made it, they all came from nothing. And Corinthians and all these clubs weren't saying, okay, well, you're going to pay $5,000 to develop here. And the funny thing is, if you look at it, that makes more sense for you to pay the $5,000 because they have a history of putting out top players. When you're playing these clubs here, you're paying a, a Crossfire, you're playing a Concord, you're playing any any grassroots club, you're paying five dollars $6,000. But then when you ask them, okay, well, what players have you developed or moved on? Even the, at the MLS level, what players have you guys developed and moved on? Think about it. What players have really developed and moved on? So... Yeah. That's just the way I feel like I could talk about this topic for hours and that's why I don't have a lot of friends here in North America. But to me, it does not make sense. It, it doesn't make sense. And no one can explain to me that the pay to play model works for players and that um, it is as an inclusive league because I don't think it is. I, I explain to everyone, I think MLS is like the golf club of soccer leagues. 
if that makes sense. Like, okay, like you have the golf club membership, like the player, mm-hmm. like the players in the city where games are. Let's take Atlanta United for instance. Look around Atlanta United Stadium, Mercedes Benz. Can anyone who is around Mercedes Benz Arena afford to go to one of those games? No, not like, at all. They can't. Not, not in the neighborhood that is not, no. not in the neighborhoods around Atlanta. Can anyone? LA's the same way. But look where all the clubs play. Like their their club is based thirty minutes outside of where the stadium is in the suburbs. That's everywhere. So it's not inclusive at all for these players, and it just hurts their development. Yeah. So speaking of development, real quick, so I know since you're you're also you know Canadian as well. Um, what are your thoughts on the CPL? How do you see that kind of developing the game in Canada? Um, and where do you see them kind of competing with um, the U.S. in terms of like developing players and getting them shipped out to Europe or wherever else they want to go? Um, I will say with MLS clubs and academies, I think Vancouver Whitecaps does a great job because they're one of the few for at least 10 years now. They're one of the first to have a residential academy. So they can pick up players all over the country and house them and they'll go to school, like have the actual like European experience where you go to school with your teammates, you eat with your teammates, sleep with your teammates, you train with them, you're on a schedule like that. The CPL in general, I think it's good for Canadian players to enter at a certain level. The league also needs help. It's only in their second year, but um, they have foreign investment, like Atletico Ottawa, for instance, um, they they wanted to enter into the North American market and the MLS wasn't feasible for them. So they said, Hey, let's go to Canada. And it's actually, um, it's actually Spanish coaches that they brought over the CEO. I have a good relationship with him. He came from Atletico Madrid. They sent the players to Atletico Madrid to train in players contracts. You can work out negotiating that when the season ends, if they're talented enough, they can join the second squad and um, play with Atletico's B team because everyone's trying to find their next Alfonso Davies, we should say. So mm. that investment is cool. Uh, I like the way the league is structured more. Uh, everyone's independent. You don't share transfer fees at all. So if you have a player that you want to move, um, the league doesn't really control whether they can move or can't move. They don't control the transfers as much as MLS. The level is not where it should be because there's a lot of rules um, with, which I like. They have development rules where you have to roster three players in your starting 11 that are under the age of 20. Uh, 21? It's 21. 21. So you have to have three players in your starting 11 that are under the age of 21, and you have to have um, five players that are Canadian. So from a Canadian soccer side, it's good to develop. Um, York Nine signed a 16-year-old to a four-year contract already. And in the first game back, the kids scored. So it's really cool for young players to develop and to have another route into professional football because there was none in Canada before that. The league has a long way to go, like from just uh, just from the level of play. I would compare it to USL, um, maybe championship, but lower championship, League One level, almost. Uh, but there are some very talented players in in the leagues as well. Yeah. Cool. What do you think, Moby? 
I like it for uh, if you're a young Canadian player. Um, oh, you for know, sure. You can play a lot of competitive games without less restrictions in the sense of like they're not going to hold you back. They're going to try to send you over to play at a more competitive level and, um, you know, possibly get a transfer fee from it. So, um, you know, a lot of Canadian talent is coming coming out right now. And obviously Davies, you got Jonathan David, you got the one boy from Chelsea that you guys aren't going to get, get, unfortunately. Um <laughs> We got uh, Mark Anthony K, uh, Kyle Laren, you know, a lot of young guys from Canada that are doing their thing, uh, Liam, Liam Frazier. Um, so the talent is there. It's just all about how do you make it work. And if you guys continue to grow C the CPL, um, you guys can't start competing with the likes of Costa Rica, Mexico, U.S. So we'll see. Yeah, we, yeah, it should be. It's, it's interesting. It's fun to watch. It's Every league is a process, has their ups and downs. But, yeah. It's also another avenue for the players because college soccer isn't huge here in Canada. So it's like when you're done, um, you're high school playing, you might as well like try to get into a CPL squad. It's the next, I think, I would say CPL is the better alternative than going to a TFC2 squad or uh, what's it called? A TFC2 or um, Montreal 2 or Vancouver's second squad. You might as well just develop in the CPL. Um, just to touch on that, because Toronto dropped out of the um, USL League One, they loaned most of their players to um, the CP CPL squads. Mm -hmm. So they're going to develop there instead. So maybe um, in the future, the Canadian second teams will end up playing in the CPL instead of playing in the USL, just because of borders and COVID and all of that happening. And plus it'll be less travel and expenses but i think it is another route that they could take yeah i didn't even think about that that's a, that's a good thought as well all right so now let's move into a fun segment we have called rate the kit this is volume two um last last volume we were joined by our our good friend sam johnson but this this uh this round we got nate it's gonna help us out and so our rating system here is fire, mid, or trash, right? <laughs> so if it's, you know, if it's fire, it's fire, right? If it's trash, it's trash. If it's mid, it's like, eh, yeah. I rock with it, but, you know? And so what we're going to do, since some of some of these teams have, have dropped multiple kits, we're going to rate the entire thing front to back, okay. right? Cool. So not just, because I know, because the last time we had like our, I think the home kit is fire, but the away kit is trash. Yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna like so if that's the case, then all right, it's mid. The rating yeah. for that would be mid, right? So let's jump right into it. Um, let's see, boom. Oh. All right, so now we got Liverpool's home and away kits. I think they're. I I honestly think they're fire. I honestly think Liverpool's kits fire. I saw. I saw the home kit in the a soccer tour here in Toronto, and I thought it was really cool. The turquoise is all right. It kind of reminds me of the Arsenal kit that they had that was turquoise their last Puma year, I think. Um, but yeah, I honestly like to see them in Nike. I think the kits are cool. They fit well. Fire. What do you guys think? Yeah, so with the red kit, uh, the home kit, uh, fire for sure. Shout out to LBF, uh, my guy at Boone. Um, it's, a, it's similar to a jersey they have, so I like that a lot. Um, 
uh, I'm really big on how the logo looks within a kit. Um, I think yeah. it looks good. Um, the away kit, uh, mid. I, I like the different with the turquoise, but it doesn't speak to like a Liverpool kit, you know? When you yeah. Liverpool, you gotta have some accent of red in there. Um, so I'll give it mid. All right, I'm gonna say mid on the home kit. It's just a little too plain for me. Um, but I, I like some of the details, but I don't know. It's not It's not really grabbing me. I'm going to say fire on the away kit because I like patterns. I like busyness. Yeah. I like craziness. That's kind of like my vibe. So I'm going to say fire on that one. Okay. So overall, I'll say, overall, I'll give it a, I'll give it a fire overall. Okay. Yeah. Ready. All right. So now we got um, Barcelona home in a way. Uh, um, I think, I think honestly, the home jersey is trash to me. Like, I, I don't know. I don't. Uh, actually, no. Let me say mid because Barca have has had some trash stripes. Like, I remember I rate the classic. Um, the I like when they do the multiple stripes instead of like two or just three. So yeah, that's mid um the black jersey is fire to me like i like all black jerseys and the gold accents like i I like black and gold together i think it's fire yeah black that black away kit is fire to me i like the black with the gold accents um uh logo integration is good um yeah it just fits um I feel like the home kit is just a traditional red blue. Uh, I, I don't want to say it's fire, but I don't want to say it's mid too. Um, so I guess I'll go with fire just because it's original. Yeah. Yeah, I'm gonna say, eh, I'm gonna say mid on the home and fire on the away. Like Nate, like I'm a sucker for black and gold kits. So anything with like metallic gold and black. Yeah. You can't I'm with it. Like that's a jersey I would wear on the street. Like that's not Facts. like yeah. that's a lifestyle jersey. It's like the Barca jersey that they put out this year. You'll never know which season that came from. It looks like if they took one of their jerseys from 2004 and you put that on and compared it to this one, it's the same. But that's like a lifestyle jersey, the black one. You could throw that on with anything. It's fire. Yep. That's facts. All right, now we got Man U home away in uh, the rumored third kit. Hmm. The home one is ge- generic, uh, generic menu. Um, the away kit, I saw them wear it in their Europa League semifinal, was it? Yeah. And it looked all right. Like mid, it was mid to me. Their third kit is absolute trash. <laughs> <laughs> like, that looks like a zebra kit. Like, that kit is so trash. But, like, I don't know. Just the black, white, and red. I get those are United colors, but it looks too zebra-ish. It doesn't look, like, with the Chevrolet logo, like, it looks too big on the kit. Like, for that, like, they're just doing too much. They, they just did too much, and it didn't work out. That's the way I feel about it. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna give it mid all three. Um, the, the home and away just basic. It doesn't really stand out. The the third alternate. I think you could do some things with it from like a lifestyle perspective, but 
like on the field, ugh, yeah, it, it don't, it don't look right. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with Amobi. I think the first two are mid. Like I mentioned when when they first dropped the home kit, I said it looked like a, a soft leather, a soft heather tee because yeah. of the, the the pattern, the grading, the grading in the um in the shirt. Um, the third one, I want to like it because I like patterns. So I like that pattern, but I just feel like the um the branding is out of place on it. So like the logo and everything just it looks out of place on it. So I'm gonna give that a trash. Now we got Man U. I mean, I mean Man, sorry, Man City um, away in third kit. Uh, I give it, I give it fire. I like that away kit, that away kit and that third kit. Like, I'm big on lifestyle. Like, so if you can wear it like out, like, you know, I'm big on that, and I think you can do that with both jerseys. So. Oh yeah, one hundred. No, both of them are fire. Like Puma, Puma did their thing. Puma did their thing with the jersey because me, uh, yeah, I'm not a city fan, but those are jerseys like our lifestyle, and you could rock them wherever with like anything going out. Like you could dress them up, dress them down like a mad cool. Yeah, I'm gonna go with fire across the board too. Um, that away kit is like it's my favorite. Um, too bad I'm not a city fan. I can't. I can never <laughs> buy it. But um, and, and even the even the paisley is is a dope little touch. You don't really see that. You don't really see that kind of whimsy um, in the Premier League as much. So that's I true. think that's it's dope that they that they did. I wonder what color, what color shorts they're going to go with for that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, I, I want to see it fully kitted out, see how it really looks. But overall, I think that's dope. So fire for me. Now we got Crystal Palace home away in third kit. <laughs> These are fire. Yeah, these are fire to me. Yeah. Okay. I would, yeah, I'm going to go with fire, all of them. Uh, both of them, all of them you could wear on the street. Um, I like, yeah, I'm trying to see which one I like the most. The black one is the most fi fire to me. The black and blue ones, fire. The white one, you have trouble seeing the logo as much. Like, it doesn't stand out. But I think both of them are fire. And I like the way the um, stripes don't go all the way up to the neck like they cut it off and like it's blue like at the top where it's the solid color at the top yeah I like I want to say trash but I'm going to say mid it is and to me I can't I can't unsee like the Captain America like classic <laughs> Captain America <laughs> uniform when I see this um, so for that I give it a mid but I, li I like the colors I like the vibrancy of the colors and that like it, it really stings and pops out at you, but I just can't really get with the design too much. Yeah, fair enough. I like how it sticks out. Like when you see that, you're like, all right, what jersey is that? Like it makes you like want to ask questions. Yeah, you'll do a double take. Yeah. 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 All right, now we got um Chelsea's rumored third kit. <sighs> I'm not feeling any of Chelsea's jerseys besides the, um, I think it's the home kit. This one's all right. I really, I really still don't understand what who the logo is, but whatever. Yeah, mid. -play. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, I don't want to say it's trash because they tried to do something different, but it's like. 
I don't like it at all. Like, <laughs> I, I don't know what's, like, I'm looking at it and I'm trying to find something that I'm like, yo, this isn't trash. But, like, I don't, like, the logo, honestly, I hate that three. Like, it looks so, like, cartoon, gamey, like, sci-fi, exactly. like, like, Stranger Things. It's like, what, like, nobody knows what that is. And then, uh, like, this, like, the stripes down below, like, make it look like it's their classic blue jersey. That's the only thing I would say I like about it, maybe. Because the, the orange, like, the color itself, I don't like. And I think, knowing Chelsea, they're probably going to try to match it, like, shorts and, like, I'll be losing you a little bit, Nate. But I'm gonna go ahead and say it's trash. I just, I can, I can accept it. I can accept (laughs) trash. It doesn't really make any sense. Like, there's plenty of. uh, I don't want to disrespect whoever designed it, but come on. I respect that you at least try to show respect to the designers. Yeah. As a designer myself, I, I, yeah, exactly. I respect that. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of hard work, so I, I understand. I can't make a jersey, so I can't be like, oh, this is trash, you know? That's why I always feel bad when saying something's trash. All right. The next one we got Arsenal's uh, new away kit. They just actually released them today. Um, I'm going to say fire because <laughs> I like the story. Think it's dope overall. Um, I like the the marble. Like so what, when they, what when they, the, what's the story behind it? So the marble halls of Highbury, their, oh, their old okay. stadium. Mm-hmm. So there's a video that came out, um, kind of gave it um, like a little backstory, like going through the halls and like the uh, statues and the marble marble walls, marble floors and stuff like that. Oh. Okay. So that's that's kind of the story behind it. So. To that, I think it's fire. Like originally, when they when the when the previews first came out, like it looked like blood splatters, and so it was still fire to me back then. But to see it now and kind of see it in person, like I think it's dope. Yeah, I mean, as a Chelsea fan, I can't say it's fire, but if someone were to rock it, I'd be like, I'll give him, I'll give him, I'll give him a like a nod. I'll be like, all right, I see you. So I'm gonna give it a mid. But uh, yeah, I I actually. I tried this jersey on actually like last week before it came out, and um, oh, so you got exclusive plug. You just not even gonna share. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> I'm at the you later, Nate. Exclusive. <laughs> so yeah, I um I tried it on and I didn't end up and I didn't end up getting it. The only reason why I didn't get it, I don't like the way it was cut. Like it's like it it was cut like a box. If that makes sense, like it's not like a fitted jersey; it's literally cut like a box compared mm. to the the new um home kit or any other Adidas kit that you have of Arsenal's. Like it's mm. mad like fitting. This one was cut like a boxy, and like if you see the way like Aubameyang modeled it, how his jersey looked loose, that mm. is like his actual size. Like the jersey's loose, but I think like the marbles fire. The promo video that they put out today was fire. When I looked at it. um, honestly I was like oh my god I want to buy this jersey first and then when I tried it on I was like nah this is like mad loose like I can't I can't rock this so you have to go like a size down or something yeah I would definitely say because I tried on the medium (laughs) I already got the order up (laughs) 
yeah. They, they right. so, so yeah they didn't have a, they didn't have a small deal they're like oh we just got like just wear medium so here's your medium and then i was like no you guys got to send this back i need the um i need the small was but, it authentic or uh, um, yeah it was the authentic one. authentic yeah. all right the authentic one yeah it was it was mad like loose. i don't know i don't know why because they gave me the home jersey and the home jersey was cut normally and it was mad tight as the medium but then when i tried this medium on i was like wait a minute it's mad loose but yeah i think the design of it's fire like you can definitely wear it out um and people will definitely look at it and be like wow that's different that's that's cool that's a cool design pattern and like just the thought process behind it all the way they brought it out the promo videos behind it mad cool but i'm also biased too i'm also very yep. biased <laughs> but i do all think right for the past two years arsenal have had the best kiss in the premier league since they joined adidas i would agree no bias even though i am biased but i'll agree <laughs> <laughs> all right this is gonna be an arsenal podcast just let me know <laughs> all right so last one we got here is leeds new kit they just switched over from kappa to adidas and this is their first home kit look under adidas what are your thoughts it's mad plain but i rock with it like uh i think it's mm. you know what now that i'm looking at it more the thing is, Leeds have been out of the prem for so long, Adidas could have came up with something like fire for them to welcome them back. I feel like it's a simple kit that they could have had in the championship as well. There's nothing about it that says like, hey, we're back. But I do like the simple like blue, like white with the blue accents because that is like classic Leeds. When you think of Leeds, you always picture that blue and white. But I think if you're going to come back to the prem after 15 years, Adidas could have worked a little harder. So I'll say mid. Yeah, I like the explanation. I feel like you coming back to the Premier League, you gotta like show like, yo, we've been here before. We like, we a historic club. But the simplicity of it, um, as simple as effective. I like the logo integration. I like the simplicity, white and blue. So I definitely think Adidas is definitely gonna come correct with like an, their alternate jerseys or something where it's like, you know, we're paying homage. You know, Leeds is a historic club. We've been here before. But with the home kit, like simple, effective, like we're not like happy to be here. We deserve to be here. Like, you know what we're going to get, I think. So for me, I'm going to say fire. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to say fire too. Um, I know that they were going with like the hella classic look. Um, and I think the blue, the blue stripes are like super vibrant, which is, which really stands out to me. So it looks clean on the white. Um, I, typ I typically don't like super simple kits but i feel like it works for them um it's kind of like paying homage to like classic leads you know what mm -hmm. i mean um, yeah. i don't know about the kit sponsor um can't really control that but i think overall this this look for like a clean you know sunday sunday home jersey like kind of like the lakers like sunday whites you know yeah and to be fair that that kit as simple as it looks you can definitely wear that on the street and it's and it, it'll be fire like as simple yes. as it is like it's a clean classic jersey that you could just put on and you're like all right yeah this could go on with jeans or something yeah no. definitely i like how we always talked about that like um the fact that you can wear it out um like jersey culture is continuing to make soccer more popular globally and i think uh, designers and like brands definitely think of that when they make these kids 
100%. I think, because um, when you look at all the jerseys around, like, I think, like, soccer has the most, like, lifestyle type jersey. Like, mm-hmm. you can't, like, throw on a ball jersey and go out. You know what I mean? To certain yeah. places. Like, you could throw yeah. on a soccer jersey. And, like, you could only dress up a ball jersey so far before you look crazy. You know what yeah. I mean? You could dress up. I mean, you saw player. like the NBA bubble, like LeBron James rocking the Liverpool uh, yesterday. Jimmy Butler was exactly. rocking the PSG. Um, so hopefully, you know, MLS can like take notice and like have some variety and not just have Thank it. Thank you. Adidas. MLS is trash with the jersey. There's. So uh, I didn't say that, but I was just saying maybe some variety. <laughs> <laughs> trying to get me out here, get caught up, but no, but, like I some variety. Like there's so like it's literally copy and paste. They literally someone sat at the computer and just changed the colors. <laughs> like that's exactly what it looked like. So, Especially that 25th right. anniversary jersey that oh, they did. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, wow. I think it definitely like lifestyles, like lifestyle jerseys and soccer go hand in hand. I think the first people to do it where I saw it was like becoming a lifestyle. I would say was when PSG put out the black jersey and Juventus had the pink jersey as well. Oh, that so that cool. black Jordan jersey that PSG did everybody was wearing it it was yeah. sold out everywhere you couldn't get your hands on it that juventus pink jersey people were rocking because they saw drake put it on and then so it definitely soccer is one of the only sports i can think because even baseball jerseys people don't people wear out like casually but they can't dress yeah. it up and dress it down like a soccer jersey uh yeah, bat- no one's wearing football jerseys unless they're going to the stadium anymore if you're wearing a football jersey out like this isn't two thousands anymore. Yeah. You can't. You Fabulous can't, isn't walking through them doors anymore. You know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Nelly and the band aid and the football like that's not happening no more. Like. No it. respect, but hey, if you if you're looking into jerseys, you make sure you hit up Two Cents FC. We got you. We got L, uh, designing master. If you need uh some consulting services, but thank you so much, Nate, for coming yeah, on. Guys, thank you guys for having me so much. Um, definitely tune in to you guys. Two cents. Love you guys. Thank you for having me. I'll be back again. Um, you guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter, Nate Leader SMG. Um, you guys can find the podcast, The Inside Agents, where I do with Maggie Intim as well. Um, thanks, guys. It was so much fun. So much fun. No, nah, respect. Oh, I think you was about to say something. My bad. Oh, no, I was just saying, like, Definitely hit up two cents sports.shop. Uh, slowly building the, the merch shop up, but we yeah, got a lot of good stuff coming. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Also, to mention merch, your guys' merch is fire, actually, and I'm going to buy some stuff as well. Also, since we're talking about jerseys, I want to bring out one of the most exclusive jerseys I probably have, and it's not even a football kit. So earlier, I was talking about um, the, since we're talking about fashion and stuff, I was talking about the Virgil thing that i did for nike and he designed jerseys like there's only eight in the world of these jerseys and it's a mm. nike off-white jersey so um ended up doing it with him and i was the only person that was in the shoot to get one who wasn't a part of his crew because mm. we ended up playing a five-on-five tournament and he was like oh i want you on my team so he's like here here's one of the jerseys i designed so you guys can rate this if you guys want to uh, uh, so he so he comes over. He comes with story and facts too. It's not just story. Wow. Okay. This is the front of it. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. Oh, sorry. Hold on. Let me shift. No, you good. It's a long sleeve as well, which is mad cool. And then um, 
the back of it. <laughs> Logo. <laughs> That's okay, kind of respect. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can see mad, that. Mad cool. So you guys can rate that if you want. And then um, uh, this is one of the jerseys that I also designed for them as well. So he let me design my own Nike jersey. And Awake partnered with them too. And then I just like made his logo into like something crazy. And then oh, nice. on the on the back of this jersey, like the number sideways. And um, I'll show you guys. I'll send you guys a picture of it afterwards. Though. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Well, yeah, thanks so much, Nate, for coming through. Uh, we definitely got to have you on again, like as the as the transfer window progresses. We need our our resident correspondent. Listen, we're gonna have uh, <laughs> um, what's it called? Inside agents times times you guys two cents FC episode. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you guys, exclusive one. Heard it here first. Definitely hit us up, man. <laughs> we ready for that. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Nah, so that's our show for this week. Subscribe, rate, and review. It helps us get discovered. Follow us on the socials at Two Cents FC. As my guy L already mentioned, check us out on our merch, Two Cents Sports.shop. It helps support the show as well. And tweet us your comments on the show, any topics you want me or L to discuss on the show. Once again, thank you, Nate. Uh, every Friday, live and direct. You already know what it is. All right, guys. Thanks. Peace. Peace.